0: Hey friend, it's Kathleen Estes. Welcome to the Texas Football Mom Podcast, a show where we'll chat with some amazing guests about faith, family, and of course, football. I am so excited today. I have a legend that I'm getting to interview, even though he's still young, I have to say. Um, But today I am getting the chance to sit down with the head coach of the Lake Travis football team, and he's also the athletic director. Coach Hank Carter, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Looking forward to visiting with you.
0: Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your experience of falling in love with the game of football.
1: Yeah, so I don't. Um, I really don't think I ever had a choice but to be a coach based on how I grew up. My dad was a coach, and he was uh, my idol. And uh, we we lived in a small town in East Texas called Eustis. And um, if if I wasn't on the court or at the field with him, we were fishing. And um, so I wasn't a good enough fisherman or couldn't make a living doing that. And so kind of <laughs> fell into coaching. I loved athletics growing up. I um, wasn't always a great athlete. I, I got a little bit better when I got to high school, but I, I never was a great football player. Really? Uh, yeah. And I, and I played everything. i um, uh-huh. in a small town. Um, you know, I was in UIL academics. I was in band um, and I played football, basketball, baseball, and track. And so I kind of did it all. Okay. And um, in small towns, if everybody doesn't do it all, you really don't have programs. And so, um, you know, I, I played football growing up. I was a quarterback until my junior year. I broke my arm. And then also, a guy moved into our town that was a better quarterback than me. And so um, I became a, a wide receiver and a tight end and a linebacker.
0: Nice. And,
1: um, but it really came from me watching my dad and the way, and really what struck me at an early age was how he related to the kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember I rode the bus just like, you know, just like you see a lot of coaches' kids do. And I would be a ball boy and a manager and. And doing all those things, and I, I just loved seeing the way my dad would interact with the other kids. And where I'm from in Eustace, it's a uh, it's a lot of single parents, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of, a lot. And looking back, mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad was feeling a void as a father and a, a male role model for those kids. Right. And um, the way that I looked at it, it's like I had a bunch of older brothers. I didn't know any better, but the, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys would walk in our house and wouldn't even knock on the door and open up the fridge, <laughs> and it drove my mother crazy. Um, but to me, and and especially that was a time in our town when uh, we were pretty good at sports when I was growing up. Not when I got to high school. When I got to high school, okay. we moved up a classification, and it seems like we missed out on the playoffs just barely every time. Aww. But but growing up and watching my dad coach, we had some great players that were also really close to my dad. And I, I just I love that, I, you know, seeing my dad interact with them at track practice or at tennis or at football, and, and it was just a cool thing. In 1985, Top Gun came out, and I wanted to be a pilot for a little while, and okay, I found I can out how that. long you have to go to school to do that, and I was <laughs> like, no, I'm switching back to be a coach. Um, well, we're but, glad yeah, you did. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> and also, you know, I was I was lucky enough, I, I, I had several great mentors in coaching growing up, uh, obviously my dad was one. Um, in middle school, you know, my dad was my middle school coordinator for a year. And then a gentleman named Robert Reeve took over and Robert is still a principal in, in my hometown. Wow. And he was a great role model for me. And just the way, again, it was really, it was really about the way he interacted with kids and the way uh, kids felt when they were around him. And I thought, you know, that was, I thought he was a really cool guy and a great guy. And then, uh, coach Chad Morris, um, who recently is, you know, in the news, got let go from University of Arkansas, mm-hmm. but Chad moved in to, to my hometown when I was a junior and he was the quarterback's coach. And so I got a chance to see him. And so I learned a lot from those three guys. And the one thing that was consistent was the way that um, the way that they made kids feel when they were around them. Yeah. But the one thing that was different was Coach Morris was so much more demanding. Um, mm-hmm. Now, maybe not more demanding than my dad. My dad was demanding of me more about my behavior and sure. the example that I was setting. But on the field play or on the court play, Coach Morris was very, very demanding. But at the same time, um, he had a way with me that I still loved. Him. I would have I done anything for him. And when I screwed up, even if he was – jump in my case and um, th- you know somehow he had this way of making me feel guilty or whatever for not right. doing better for disappointing him but mm-hmm. um, yeah and so I went and I played college sports for a couple of years I played college basketball for a year at a small school the University of Dallas and then I played baseball for a year wow. uh, for a little while there a semester at uh, Luterno University in Longview kind of got tired of paying to play is what I felt like uh, mm-hmm. you know I was getting a little yeah. bit of help scholarship wise but I was broke and said hey let's go get a teaching degree and 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 let's go coach and um, ended up doing that for a year in my hometown. And then I got on with Chad and kind of the rest is history.
0: So that's fantastic. So obviously, multi sports was your experience. Absolutely. So you know, I think sometimes we feel pressure as parents with our kids coming into the high school program that football's so huge, yeah. that it needs to be the only thing. And yet I recognize that you do say you encourage multi sports.
1: I do. And it does. And I say it until I'm blue in the face, and I'll still hear parent, you know, so my kids are are coming up now you know my son is 10 and my daughter is eight and they're playing youth sports and and uh, I interact with parents now that have kids my kids age but they mm-hmm. also have older ones and they're like well hey you know the word on the street is you don't want kids playing multiple <laughs> sports and I'm like are you kidding me right I mean I'm the poster child for uh, promoting multiple sports and what I really say is where I grew up you had to play multiple sports because there's nothing else to do if you weren't mm-hmm. playing sports in Eustis Texas you're probably up to no good <laughs> um but here to me you should be playing multiple sports because it is so competitive mm-hmm. that I, that if you focus just on one thing and like what happened to me I was the quarterback and then a guy moved in that was a better player right. um mm-hmm. if football was all that I had that would have really changed my athletic experience mm-hmm. and um I do think it's tough for parents and I think that what our parents see is well any time that we're not focusing on football or we're not focusing on baseball there's going to be another group of parents and kids that are, and they're getting an advantage.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: But what I would say is it's, it's actually opposite. What As long as kids are competing, mm-hmm. and I think that there is a benefit. You know, so what ends up happening, too, it's a product of how awesome our parents are. in Tr- It really is, and I'm not pandering to them. It's a product of how fortunate we are. They have so many parents that care deeply about their children's lives. Mm-hmm. That may sound like um, – well, of course, Coach. Well, you know, what else is there? No, there. It's not like that everywhere, right. and it's really not like that in most places. Um, the fact that our the kids are the focal point of the households here mm-hmm. is an, it's an amazing thing. And I tell our kids all the time: if you have a, a, a mother and a father or two folks that they care about you deeply, you've already won the lottery. and It's got nothing mm-hmm. to do with money. But what happens is those those parents are so in tune with that; they really want to make sure the kid gets as good as he or she can. And and they want it almost turns into uh, an assembly line type of athlete. Right. To where, well, if I can just get him to do this one thing and do it really, 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 really good, then he'll have a great chance at, at being good at that. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is that's not how teams are made up. And what that does is that gets you used to being around one group of kids, they get you used to being around one type of coaching. Right. Um, and, and in reality, that's not gonna be what the real world is about in sports or once they, you know, become professionals. Um, and, and usually professionals is something other than sports. Sure. Um, and so, what I would encourage them to do is, if the kid enjoys doing more than one thing, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a time where it's obvious that they need to focus on one or the other. If you know, when do you uh,
0: think that typically is?
1: I, I think it. I think it depends on how how the kid is maturing. I, but I always tell them this: I've never seen a kid that who's standing in football was affected in a negative way because they played basketball or baseball or they were in a track mm-hmm. or they were into uh, into DECA or, or other things that take time away from them. Because really what that does is that gives kids a, a little bit of a mental break. And so nobody wants mm-hmm. to focus on the fact that, well, oh, yeah, they're not going to get burnout. They do get burnout on it. They they, they may not get burnout like the horror stories you used to hear about, uh, you know, female tennis players that started when they were 13 or gymnasts and all these things. But they'll get, it will douse their passion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I think that it does is I think getting away from football for a little while, going and playing baseball, playing basketball, playing lacrosse, whatever it is, you're getting around a different peer group, which is hopefully a positive thing, not mm-hmm. necessarily. It's really a chance to interact with a different group of kids on our campus, interact with a different group of adults, because, you know, again, we don't want the assembly line. That may sound good. Hey, I'm going to teach him the pitch. He's going to pitch. He's going to be the best pitcher in the world. Well, what if one of these days uh, he gets an injury? Or what if one mm-hmm. of these days there's three other pitchers in his grade that are better than him? Um, right. Uh, then what else can he go to? Then I think there's a higher possibility that his athletic experience becomes a negative. And so what I would say is whatever you're passionate about, do it. Whatever your kids enjoy, do it. Um, and I've seen kids that have done two or three sports all the way through, mm-hmm. um, and, and it works out great. Baker Mayfield has turned out pretty good in athletics. And I would say base, so. I he played baseball so. the whole way through and was <laughs> a really he? good baseball player. Yeah. Um, and these guys that are playing seven-on-seven seven in the summertime,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: I think that's a great thing. But if they were playing AAU basketball, mm-hmm. that worked out pretty good for Luke Hutton and for Garrett Wilson. And yeah, so, for sure. you know, again, if if you're skilled and, and you've proven that you're a good enough player, the fact that you're playing other sports is not going to take you away or take away your opportunities. Uh, but it's been hard to get people to buy into that notion. Right, so. <laughs> right.
0: Is there any other particular sports that you think complement football better than others? Uh, you know,
1: I, I think it depends on the position you play. I'm a, I was a basketball guy. And mm-hmm. so I think the more that I can see that the kids on the field, especially in skilled positions that had a basketball background, seem to really be at ease catching the ball and moving mm-hmm. or running the ball after they catch it. I also think they seem to be really at ease if they're going to defend a pass, mm-hmm. because those are movements and those are athletic positions that in basketball you're in 150 times in a game. Right. Um, and so, but there's some there's some great things about golf. The challenge mentally that golf mm. makes you. I'm I would get up have there not expected a, you to say yeah, that. It is, and uh, that's why I'm not a good enough golfer because I'm a head case. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I I think also the things you do in track. The fact mm-hmm. that track you're really competing. You're, every day you're competing against yourself and your own time, and it, it really helps build your mental toughness. And then if you even go to the field events, that kind of has the that has the the golf mechanism in it, where it's okay. There's no one to blame here. I can't blame my blocking. I can't blame the throw from the quarterback. I've got to get up here and make this jump or I'm not. And so that can be a daunting experience, but it can also, I mean, to me, what I think sports should be is a way to help develop the kid. And um, instead of the kid get really good at the sport and that's going to set he or she up for life. No, the things that you go through, that gauntlet that you experience in playing multiple sports Um, can prepare you for when you've got to deal with a knucklehead boss later on in life or a coworker that's a challenge or -hmm. or trying to make a sale and making a connection with somebody. And so, yeah, we want to get away from the assembly line mentality, but it's hard to battle because I think that the parents, I think it's easier for them to see, well, so-and-so is hitting right now over the winter and we're not, we're falling behind. And that's not necessarily true.
0: Which also plays into my next question of we have so many personal trainers yeah. coming up in the area, um, and I think there's a pressure on parents. Like, yep. oh, I've got to get my child into this or be trained by this person if they're going to excel. What What advice would you give us as parents on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you have the means to do it financially and the kid enjoys it, I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the secret to their ultimate success. Okay. Um, my son already goes and, and is working with the guys at Acceleration, mm-hmm. number one, because that's something that I don't have as much of an expertise in. I mean, right. I, I wasn't a good runner. <laughs> you know, I wasn't fast. And, uh, you know, I, when I participated in track, it's because my dad threw me in on the 300 hurdles because they needed to put somebody in there or I went and I, I threw the discus. Um, But yeah, so I, I number one, my son enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter does gymnastics and, and those types of things. And. And so, yeah, I mean, I think getting outside instruction, um, I think there's a lot of positives to it. It gets kids excited about training. And I think that's a good thing. No different than getting piano lessons, no different than getting a math tutor. Um, So to me, all of those things are ways to supplement their education, supplement their athletic experience. And really, our coaches um, at Lake Travis need to embrace that. But it's always better if there's a communication. Sure. If if, – it's easier for the outside coaches, though, if, if the, the guy or the gal that's doing the outside coaching could always blame it on the school. Well, yeah, I, think I would be doing it this way. Right. And so as coaches, we're always a little bit wary of that. But I will tell you that most of the folks that we work with, they have the kids' best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, the outside instruction can be a positive. I don't think it's the key to, you know, there's no secret potion to being successful in sports. Um, some kids are going to respond to a certain quarterback coach or a certain jump coach, mm-hmm. um, certain pole vault instructor. And some of them are, um, the, I've seen it both ways. I mean, I don't know the Baker Mayfield again, I'll bring him up. I don't think he ever got quarterback lessons. Wow. Um, but then I know that we've had other guys that have, that yeah. have benefited from it. Sure. Um, and it went on to help them. And so what's the right way. I mean, I think it's whatever is best for your kid, but again, I think it's, you know, does the kid enjoy it? If they're enjoying it and it is um, something that's keeping them energized and excited about learning new things and getting better, I think that's a positive. And, again, no different than if they are got a calculus tutor. It's kind of the same thing.
0: Sounds good. So how do you assess young players when they come into the program? What is it that you're looking for as uh, you watch them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So probably the the big thing that we look at originally is where would we – can I? Where can I fit them in two or three positions? And so I wouldn't try to narrow it down when they're mm-hmm. when they're in middle school. We're really just looking for kids that you know are are these guys coordinated or that can they move? Um, you know, how do they move their feet? How do they move around? Things like that. You know, for football. Mm-hmm. And then as as freshmen, when we get them when we get them in there for freshman camp in August, it's really about okay. This guy, what, what does he need to play? Does he need to be, you know, kind of a running back and a linebacker? Is he more of a receiver in a corner? Hey, this guy's been playing linebacker, but I just met his dad, and his dad's six five, and his mom's six one. He may, you know, am I going to? Pre- How do I do those types of things? Mm-hmm. And so, really, it's kind of, um, you know, starting to herd them up and group them closer to a position that that they're going to fill. The other thing it is. Um, so at each middle school, now we have three. It's amazing. love mm-hmm. We have yeah. three middle schools feeding Lake Travis High School. And all of them, in all sports, it is vertical alignment with the high school. The girls' basketball programs at the middle schools are getting input from the high school coaches on inbounds plays. Like that. And now, yeah, it's just great. It gives us a great advantage in all of our extracurriculars. The fine arts programs are the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is sometimes you're playing tailback at this middle school because you're a fast kid. And you've had success doing it, and they needed to put you there because they're trying to win as many games as they can. Sure. Well, there may be two other tailbacks at the other middle schools that are better, and so now that kid who's had great success and has had an enjoyable experience, we may be really excited about putting him at outside linebacker the parents may not always be fully bought in and that's hard. And so it's, it's really as freshmen, okay, let's get them an offense and a defense position. We can see them. Let's try not to stack too many talented kids up at the same spot because the goal is to try to get the 11 best on the field at one time Mm. and really put kids at a place where we see that, that really the pressure as coaches put a kid where he can use his potential to the utmost. Um, Kids, a lot of times, want to be in a position they're most comfortable with. And that is a normal human response. Right. And so uh, I can remember the day that I put my arm around a young man named Tevin Paul. Mm -hmm. Tevin is currently a defensive end. They call it an outside linebacker, but he's a starting defensive end at Cal Berkeley. And is having an incredible career. Um, Tevin Paul was a running back in middle school. And I can remember the day during freshman camp that I put my arm around him and I said, Brother... You, may, you don't know me that well yet. I said, but you are going to have an opportunity to play just about wherever you want. But I said, I think it's going to be on the defensive line. And he wasn't really bought into that. Right. Uh, but the parents trusted us. And then the kid proved us right because, you know, now he's 6'4", 275 pounds. He's just a mountain of a man and, awesome. and smart and can run. But those are the types of talks that we'll have with kids. And just trying to – and, again, we, sometimes we don't figure it out until later. And, really, we end up moving kids around, too, based on the kids that perform around them. And so – we want kids to have great attitudes. We want kids to be versatile if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all—it's always more beneficial to the to the young man or the young lady if they can play more than one position on the court or on the field. Right. gives them a better opportunity to play. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard sometimes as freshmen because seeing – you really don't know what their track record is. Hey, th- he's only played this or, mm-hmm. hey, this guy looks like a linebacker, but his body's changed so much in the last two years. He was a lineman. You know, yeah. and so some of that comes into play. So sure. uh, it's interesting. The kids change so much from from probably eighth grade through sophomore year. They tra- their bodies transform, and right. so uh, whatever we do as freshmen, we kind of uh, tell the parents we'd like to reserve the right to change our mind at some point if if, if things change. You know, with him physically. So.
0: And I've noticed um, when kids do have experience at a receiver, you love to have them playing defense. First, what Mm -hmm. is kind of the mindset? I mean, I've kind of been watching it a little bit, noticing my son's learning how to block a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Even when he is playing on offense.
1: Yeah, so um, that is a little bit of a philosophy that we've adopted here Mm -hmm. in that I'm a defensive guy. I'm a defensive-minded coach. I kind of came up in my football career as a defensive assistant and a a defensive coordinator. But um, I think that the way to win at the highest level in 6A football is to have your most skilled players on offense. Um, and so typically, those guys that come in as sophomores that are really, really, they've had really good offensive careers and they're going to be stars on offense, a lot of times we'll grab them for a year and let them work offense and defense mm-hmm. because some of the same skill sets they'll use at playing receiver, they can use a corner or safety. Right. Um, and then a lot of times what ends up happening, their junior or senior year, they'll go back and play. Because again, even though I'm a defensive guy, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, um, we got to pay the bills. And so we want to win football games. And so we're going to put the guys that can run and catch and cut and do things with the football are going to eventually always play offense. Now, so Kyle Ease is a good example. Kyle grew up playing receiver, played defensive back, too, in middle school and growing up. You know, I, I remember watching the Hudson Bend. Um, knew that he was going to be a phenomenal receiver for us. But as a sophomore, he played almost exclusively corner. Wow. Um, and so and I told him, and I remember talking to the Eves, saying, hey, this, this is going to change. Now, yeah. he may always play a little bit of corner because, you know, when it comes down to it, we, and just like we used Garrett at Wilson, mm-hmm. um, but and now Kyle is kind of morphed over to being mostly an offensive guy that will spot play on defense. And yeah. so you can do that. Um, it's harder to get on the field as a young guy the closer that you play to the football. So it's really hard to, to have success as a sophomore, defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive lineman. It's hard to do that because it's really more about strength, and it's like you're in a wrestling match every play. Well, yeah. a 14-year-old or 15-year-old wrestling an 18-year-old eh, often doesn't go good. Um, but running and cutting and covering the football and those types of things, because it's not so physical every snap, we can use those young guys, and and, and um, you know their lack of physical maturity doesn't – hurt them on the field as much as if they play closer to the ball. And so yeah, we'll try to we'll try to nab those young skilled guys to play a little bit of defense until they get older and then eventually I lose them and they go back over to offense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this year it feels like there's been a lot of injuries. Yes. Yeah. Um are there things that you feel parents can do to be helping with um avoid? Yeah, that's a of, great question.
1: Things? So um this year is an outlier. I had we've had another year very similar to it in 2012. So Baker Mayfield's senior year, yeah. um, we had a rash of injuries. They were they were mostly different than the ones we've incurred this year, but ACL tears were one of them. Okay. So that year on the varsity, we had um, I think we had three three or four ACL tears. We might have had one in the spring and then three in the fall. So I think we had four on the varsity, so real similar to what we've dealt with this year. Yeah, and it's you know when you have a knee injury, it's scary anyway. But when it's yes. an ACL, but it's that's okay. He's done for eight months, and, mm-hmm. and uh, several of those back then were seniors, and so that was awful. Mm-hmm. Our our best receiver, Zach Austin, tore his ACL that year in the third game. Our best returning defensive tackle tore his ACL in the first scrimmage, oh, and okay. then our starting strong safety um, uh, Jacob Pate, tore his ACL against Dell Valley out here in a, in a blowout game in about week seven. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you start questioning, okay, what are we doing? Is it our shoes? Is it the field? Mm-hmm. The turf was brand new that year. So, okay. you know, people were like, oh, maybe it's, it's this so turf. And, yeah. uh, uh, what I can tell you is when it comes to knee injuries, the things that we do in the weight room, we've adopted from NFL and college mm-hmm. teams. Um, we visited with our orthopedic surgeon, like, hey, we want to just double check to make sure the things that we're doing are the best that we can. And so we're doing those things. But whenever you have a rash of injuries, you always you kind of scratch your head about it and think, right. okay, let's – Make sure that we're, you know, that we're um, using best practices. Really, it comes down to being flexible. You know, we do yoga. We've been doing yoga almost Great. every Saturday with the varsity.
0: Awesome. Um,
1: and I think that helps. Um, but sometimes it's almost, golly, I hate saying it, sometimes it's kind of bad luck or, you know, there's not sure. really a way to explain it. Um, typically with an ACL injury, it's because there was some type of twisting action while they were putting a lot of force on that leg simultaneously with someone making contact with their upper body. And so it's like a three way twist and, Mm -hmm. and, um, the, the the knee ligaments are unbelievably strong until you put the ACL in a twisting motion like that. And so all all of ours have been somewhat similar, except for Lake McCree, Lake did his on grass and it was, we didn't, nobody had pads on. It was uh, a crazy deal. We had a JV kid do it. There wasn't, there was nobody around him. He made a cut in open Mm -hmm. field. And so it's just, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, in twelve, we also had a we had a, a rash of labrum tears, and we had a rash of concussions that took kids mm. out for the season. And so, uh, wow. I, w- I wish that I could say we have never experienced anything like this. We've only done it one other time, and it was it was a rough year. Um, I can tell you the difference is our program, the depth of our program right now is much different than it was in two thousand twelve. And so, we have a lot of young kids, and yeah. and the depth at each position is better. In 2012, the injuries got to be to the point that our left tackle weighed about 180 pounds by the end of the year, Mm -hmm. and we were playing, you know, seven or eight sophomores. And so our season ended short. (laughs) uh, But, yeah, I mean, those are things that we always look at. I I do think that it's one of the reasons that we try to spend so much time in the weight room is trying to be Mm -hmm. strong and flexible at the same time. But uh, this year has been tough. And, um, you know, I I don't know that there's any one thing that can explain it. But um, hopefully, we're done with all those serious ones.
0: I hope so. Have you ever given like an injury report? I'm loving the Champions Breakfast on Fridays. But I was just curious if that's something that you intentionally don't want to focus on. Or I know I'm curious. Yeah, like that's how a great question. Doing? So
1: really, I've got a nerdy answer I have to give. So okay. we're not we would, we're not legally allowed to share personal information about oh, a minor, okay. and so it involves the. Uh, I guess it involves FERPA and also maybe even HIPAA since it's uh, medical related. Okay. But yeah, so that we're not we're not allowed to share those issues. Now, obviously, if the kid's there and he's on a crutch and every family knows that, so right. just got hurt, and broke his leg. Yeah, well, we may address. Hey, brother, we're thinking about you. But yeah, sure. that's that's why we don't. Our training staff gives us a daily injury report. Every single kid that goes through that training room, and it's all sports. It's not just football. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, this year there's been a lot of guys on it. It's been yeah. it's been a tough season for injuries.
0: Sure, it has. It has. So, tell me, as a coach, what is the most rewarding part about coaching high school football?
1: Interacting with the kids. I mean, that's that's why I'm, that's my reason for doing it. I love being around young people. I love being around sports. Um, I think the challenge too of getting to go compete and, and mm-hmm. kind of seeing if you have what it takes. I think that's great. It can be stressful, but it's also um, to test yourself and to uh, continually do that. For me, is is fun and stressful all at the same time. Um, playing playing into the playoffs and playing our, our rivals is yeah, okay. it's an exciting feeling that there's really no other way to explain it. Um, but probably also just watching how each team takes on a personality, and we're finally to the time of year right now to where the team really takes on uh its persona and its identity and the, mm-hmm. the coaches are just worried about this team, so varsity football's over, middle school football's right. over, so the coaches aren't running around two thousand different directions. everybody's got a singular focus just on this bunch of guys and um it it's fun it's fun to watch the teams kind of take shape and to see their personalities and and, um, but yeah, there, there's nothing better to, and I'll give last week as an example, watching our guys come together and when we lose our quarterback a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, seeing how, they, yeah. how the other kids have stepped up on offense and defense and special teams. Because when you lose an All-American, there's not, a, that's hard to replace.
0: Absolutely. Um, and
1: it's, it's hard to replace his skill, but it's also hard to replace um, the confidence that he gives the rest of the team every mm-hmm. week. It's kind of like, hey, if I know well, oh, no, This guy's on my side. i uh, have got a pretty good chance to win. I'm, I'm walking pretty tall. Right. And so seeing how the other kids have come together, um, and also seeing how Nate has gone in there and yes. played, that's tough. Amazing. I mean, I, I wouldn't know, uh, how do you follow a guy that's as talented as, uh, as, Hudson is? And I think Nate has done a great job of it. And, um, but yeah, it's fun to see the kids come together and every week it's like studying for a final exam now. And so, mm-hmm. um, seeing them come in early on a Monday morning and, they open up that scouting report and they start studying the guy that they're playing against, and then just getting to do that over and over. It's it's a lot of fun, and but the most fun are the the relationships that you build with the kids, and then also the relationships I have with my my assistant coaches. It's just uh, well, I would say we're gone from home about ninety hours a week this time of year, but I don't know that we're working. Uh, it doesn't feel like work all the time. <laughs> we, we have a, we have a great time with the boys. Uh, I have a great time getting to know the parents, even though I'm sure. Things I do at times are very stressful and drive them crazy. But I, I, I've always enjoyed the relationships I've built with the parents. and and uh, But playoffs is, yeah, it's the most fun time of year for us. And getting to hopefully practice on Thanksgiving next week will be big if we can get yes. past Madison.
0: Awesome. So what does a great, healthy relationship with the parents of your players look like?
1: Um, one to where our coaches feel like they can communicate honestly mm-hmm. without – feeling like the news that they're going to give that parent is going to result in that parent trying to get the coach in trouble. And so um, as athletic director, I'm constantly trying to empower our coaches to feel freer, more free Mm -hmm. to communicate with parents. I think that the root of all people being upset, Mm -hmm. whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, whether it's a parent, is when expectations aren't met. Right. Um, If I go to Burger King and I get an average burger, I'm not mad because I went to Burger King and I got an average burger. (laughs) If I go to Steiner Ranch Steakhouse and I didn't get a great steak, I'd probably be like, golly, I was expecting a lot. Sure. And now, granted, every time I go to Steiner Ranch, the place is unbelievable. But so it's like when expectations aren't met, um, people get their feelings hurt. People get bent out of shape. And so it's constantly reminding our coaches. Where does the kid see himself or she? Where does she see herself? Mm-hmm. Are we at or around that level? And if we're not, we need to be on the phone with the parent to let them know, "Hey, I know we were thinking this. I need to. I need to fill you in." If if we're wanting to be a starter, if we're thinking we're going to contribute at the varsity level or JV black or ninth black, we really need to see more of this because right now, compared to some of those other folks, they're they're not quite there. That's really hard to tell a parent. Sure. Um, for me, I've been doing it for a long time, and. I've had a million talks with parents, and so I'm not reluctant to do that. But my assistants are, some of my other head coaches are, because at the end of the day, if you stir up parents and they go to the administration on you, or they go to school board management about you, you're in meetings, and the coaches are like, "I don't want to be in trouble. I want, I want, I want to coach and deal with these kids." Um, but it is. I think a healthy relationship means being able to communicate, um, and also as a coach, we can't take it personal when the parents are mad. Um, mm-hmm. I am at Lake Travis because I know our parents are involved in their children's lives. That is why I'm here. That's why I'm not at other places. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have a saying, every dog has fleas. And with that um, comes some very stressful times. And and at times comes some unrealistic expectations on behalf of the parents. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised when parents don't see it the way we do. Um, I see my kids differently than how their coaches will see them. Sure. Um, and I use my own experience with, with our players a lot. And to, the coaches are so tired of hearing they start rolling their eyes when I talk about it. But i be like, my mother, uh, and my father's deceased now, but my dad was a coach. Uh, my mother and my father were the most supportive parents on earth. My dad grew up an athlete. My mom was and is the least athletic person probably I know. Uh, I always blame her. That's why well, I wasn't a better player. You know, geez, dad, why didn't you... <laughs> if mom had been a better athlete, we'd all have been set. Um, but my dad would always be like, "Yeah, if you're unhappy, you need to play better, dude. Oh. Um, um, you're on the floor too much in basketball. You know, you, you're soft. You're getting knocked around. You're not rebounding enough. You need to make your free throws." So my dad's feedback was always, "Brother, you're the one playing. You can do something about it." My mother's feedback was always. Well, that coach, or you know that other (laughs) player, or you know even to this day, oh honey, you know y'all did the best you could. It's like, no, mom, I actually I coached a crappy game, and there's no one to blame but myself. And so,
0: I guess that's the role of the mom. It is,
1: it is. And so what I what I try to tell our coaches is, don't be surprised by that dynamic. Most of our parents didn't grow up athletes, Mm -hmm. and even in my household, my mother was the wife of a coach. She still doesn't see it how it ought. She's not calling balls and strikes. Right. She is for her kids. That's and, right. Uh, and so we should expect that. We should not We should not take that personal. Um, but typically, if we'll just communicate, and I, I'm all, this sounds bad, but I'm always like, hey, I, I don't want the bullseye on the coaches because we're, the coaches aren't playing. Right. Now, if the coach um, doesn't play the kid or makes a mistake and doesn't communicate, and I'll, that is a coaching screw-up 101 we got to be better than that. We will admit that, and I you know every time. But the coach needs to make sure that hey, if if he's not playing receiver and it's because there's four better receivers, uh, don't please don't be mad at me. I wish he was. You know, right. I, you know, I wanted to be playing, but if he wants to play and for he, for y'all to be happy, means he's playing. Well, here's what needs to happen for y'all to be happy, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just communicating. Um, some of our coaches love it. They're all about it. Some of our younger coaches or some of our coaches that are newer to the district or some of the coaches that have had a negative experience with parents trying to get them fired or reluctant wow. to have yeah. those conversations.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I have to say my experience, I've gotten some great emails from the coaches well, that my I'm sons working with. with. That. So that's, that's good. It's been, it's been good. All right. So let me ask you this. I believe God loves football. Absolutely. Do you think he has a favorite team? And if so, who? Uh, I think
1: God um <laughs> I would I would hope that that God is rooting for everybody whenever we get out there and play. Coach Oakes used to always talk about that you know God's not going to favor anybody, but He mm. wants us to be at our best. There and, you go. And he, he, you know and that we should give God all the glory by the way that we perform. Mm-hmm. And so um, I know that that we've had a pretty good track record when Coach Oakes is around. So yes. I've always thought that he's been our good luck <laughs> uh, And So it's funny when he retired, we didn't win a championship for a long time, and I'm just like, I the, the man upstairs is like. Hey, you're sticking it to us here. You know, I got to get George back involved. So, uh, but uh, awesome. we are, you know, I, I, and um, I talk to the kids about it. You know, obviously, we have to be careful with the way we bring religion into it. Sure. But, but I tell them all the time, you should be focused on your family. Uh, I hope that you are, you know, you're a believer in a higher power and your school and this football team. That's, you know, faith, family, football. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, if we were focus on that, a lot of times things will work out. But um, I, I do know that, that God works through sports and works through football. He's done that mm-hmm. with me. And in uh, countless of other, you know, men and and kids throughout the school that I've been here.
0: Well, Coach, thank you so much. I want to say a thank you to your wife, Stacy, for allowing <laughs> you to invest so much of who you are in our kids.
1: Well, she uh, she's grown to love it. And she was a coach and she was a college athlete. Okay. Um, but when we first got married, it was uh, it was a lot of time where her and the dogs were at home and I was gone. and sure. That was hard, but. Uh, now she' got the kids to keep her company so maybe she wishes she was with me you know, <laughs> want the kids off on yeah all the coaches' wives do make a big sacrifice and the parents do, do. Uh, but really what I would say and if you ask my wife and probably any wife uh, you know that, that's married to a coach they love seeing their husbands being able to have a positive effect on their else's life mm-hmm. um, and that's why we married them you know and so again I out kicked my coverage with that one and uh, I'm thankful for her
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much and looking forward to seeing how far we can go this year in the playoffs. Yes, ma'am. All right. Go LT. I know life is busy. So thank you for spending time with us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment and rate us and don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. You can always follow me on Instagram at TexasFootballMom. I'm Kathleen Estes, reminding you to find joy in whatever season you are in today and to always celebrate life's first downs.